Last week, we started a brand new series. Um, so our second series here as a church, and um, we entitled it A Place for Everyone. And uh, we believe, uh, Bill Hybel says he had a great statement that we really believe in, and it says that we believe that the local church or the church um, is the hope of the world. And uh, before you throw stones, what it means is this. We believe that the body of Christ is the hope of the world. Uh, the needs in our communities and in this world and, uh, and all of that, need, all, everything that needs to take place, I believe, is going to come through um, people getting on board with the mission, the Great Commission. When Jesus left and said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, raise disciples, heal the sick, all those things that he talked about, take care of the widows, take care of the needs. Okay, all those things. Uh, that's what the church, that's what we, the people, are designed to do is go be that need. So I don't think we have to, you know, look to government to be the answer or our school system or all of those things we can work together with them on. But, uh, but I believe when the church takes its place, God can reign on this earth. Somebody say amen. So we started a series called A Place for Everyone uh, because we all have different church backgrounds and experiences. Um, for some of you, that's a really positive thing. For some of you, that might be a negative thing. Uh, I'm on both sides of it. I'm actually a church rat. I grew up in church, um, <coughs> loved it, so I had a great upbringing in church, um, and I also have a lot of bad stories I could tell you about church, and um, there's been hurts and offenses and things that have taken place in, in, in my life and with my wife and, and on our journey. Uh, that has been a thing, uh, but we have kept our eyes on who matters, and that's God, and so all along, all along, we're all in different journeys, but I believe, and what we'll talk about over the next few weeks is, is the church, there's a place for everyone. It doesn't matter what your background is or what the story is. Um, there's a place for everyone. And so, uh, again, Bill Heibel says, the local church is the hope of the world, and we believe that because we're the body of Christ. Like we sang this morning, it's the most beautiful thing you could be a part of. I believe a great church is not necessarily thousands of people coming to a building to watch a service. Uh, and again, to my... My buddies, uh, I'm, I'm not against a mega church. Uh, I'm not against that at all. Actually, I hung out with some pastors this week from a mega church. Uh, we love it. We bless that. But um, I believe that isn't a check in the box. Oh, we're doing it because there's a lot of people here. I believe when you're obedient to what God has called you to be, no matter what that looks like, if the church is people coming together in unity, loving each other and affecting their community and being obedient to God, trusting wholly, um, that's a church. Somebody say amen. So it's not necessarily gauged by, oh, success is this. Uh, success is being obedient to God. Uh, uh, there's always this debate of um, we want to be deep Christians. We want to go deep. And uh, do you want to know how to be a deep Christian? I'm going to give you some some just, just I'm going to tear the veil for you, and you're going to see into just the holy of holies of depth. Do you want to know what a deep Christian is? Someone who's obedient to Scripture. That. <laughs> Someone who lives their life just obedient and doing the best that they, that's deep Christianity is obedient. Somebody say amen. Um, so we saw last week, we talked about that a benefit that we have as Vertical Church is that the statistics that are coming out, and you can look this up with Ed Stetzer and Lifeway Research, um, statistically church plants or new churches are seeing a higher success rate of what they put their hands to than established churches. And here's why. It's because uh, there's not a big of ship to turn. You know, churches that have been around a really long time, there's kind of a lot of stuff to it, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but 
as a start church, we have the opportunity to come in and say, we're new and we're excited and we're all passionate and God's put us together. What are we going to do? And we get to set out on that course. And so in terms of a ratio, lives discipled and, and people uh, making commitments for Christ, they've seen that statistically church plants are, uh, are seeing higher numbers than some that are established. Again, it's not, oh, now we're better than them or anything like that. I see that as what a great opportunity all of us have here today to be able to connect to something that's being effective. Right, on. <laughs> you guys will get there with me. Uh, it's been a few weeks. I thought you'd be a little on, but uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, another thought that I had here, we talked about last week. Here's what we believe as a church is that everyone has a place. And what's awesome is that's how Jesus ran things. Uh, we talked about last week how Jesus in his life, he noticed the unnoticed. He spent time with the rejected. Uh, I love the, my favorite part is when Matthew, the disciple, Matthew, who at the time his name was Levi, he was a tax collector. And the scripture tells us that Jesus walks up to him, a tax collector, and says, hey, come follow me. Come be a part of what I'm doing. The interesting thing about that is the tax collector was the worst of the worst. I mean, like we have, you know, like the mob or whatever, there's the mob and we think the mob is crazy and crooked. Tax collectors in their time were the most uh, disregarded and most obsolete. Uh, they literally, they couldn't give testimony in public court because they were just known as liars and crooks and ridiculous that they couldn't even give an account, like their words meant nothing to the public. And then here's Jesus who has these followers in this huge movement that he's in. And he comes to them and say, and he comes to him and says, Hey, come with me. You can do what we're going to do. You can be a part of this. And I think that as a church, that's where we should be. Uh, hey, where you are, we accept you. We love you. We're with you. You can come be a part of what we're doing. Um, the rest of it will work itself out. And uh, we talked about how you are an experience. You today are a result. Your life today is a result of either acceptance or rejection that you've experienced in your life. The result of who you are is either a result of acceptance or rejection in your life. And why that matters is if as a church, we are in this self-righteous, holy, we're rejecting, you're not good enough, you, this doesn't, and we're always pushing aside, okay? If that's all we do, then we're rejecting people, which essentially leads them to places that they shouldn't be. So we say, you're not welcome here, they're going to go to a place that they shouldn't be. Okay, so if the church as a whole is rejecting people, then we're sending them into places they shouldn't be. And where we see this a lot as a former youth pastor is um, people go to where they're accepted. They go to where they're accepted. And a case is this, uh, teenagers all the time, my wife and I were youth pastors for like eight years, and we'd always get teenagers that came into the office and they were having trouble with their parents or whatever. And uh, it was always this from the teenager. Well, my friends say that I should this and this, and my friends, we think and it was always ridiculous. You know, it was always just ridiculous where they were going to go in their life. But it was interesting that they would listen to their friend's wisdom, not wisdom, over their parents or over other people. Why? Because they were trying to operate in a place of acceptance where they were comforted versus a place where they were lectured. And so that's our balance as a church, too. We got to accept people and not lecture them. We got to love them and bring them in. So that's what we talked about last week is uh, there's a place for everyone. We got to accept. We got to bring them in. But we don't. Uh, condone every lifestyle. That doesn't mean everything belongs. Like, oh yeah, everything's okay, everything's fine. We still walk in according to the word and truth, uh, but we love. We do that in love because the scripture says in Corinthians, if I speak in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If we do all that we do, 
It's, we could have the, the greatest church set up and all the right leaders and all that kind of stuff, but if we do all this and we don't have love, we're basically just obnoxious, right? That's what it's saying. Like if we don't connect and have love, then it's a waste. And so that's our heart going forward as we talk about what this church looks like. We're a place of love and we're a place that connects with people because um, that's how it happens. Amen? So this week, as we, uh, as we talk about week two, um, a place for everyone, what does that look like? We all have a place. I want to share with you an interesting idea um, that, that kind of goes like this. Uh, we all have a place. There's a place for everyone. But what's interesting is some of you might not know that you're already in your place. And you're thinking, oh, he means vertical church. And, and, and actually, let's go a little deeper than that. I'm okay with that. If vertical church is your place, we're happy that you're here. But there's this thing that consumes people, and especially in America, and it's thing that I've labeled destination disease. We all have this disease that eats us up that says, if I only can get to this, then I'll be happy. If I just get to that, then I'll be content. If I just get to this, I'll be happy. Uh, and an example is kind of how you grow up. So you grow up, oh, if, I, if I can only get into a good college, if I get to that good college, then I'll be happy. And then when you're there, I just got to graduate and get a good job. Once I get that good job, then I'm going to be happy. And so those years that you're in, you're missing. Uh, and then, okay, oh, so I'm, I got my good job. If I can just get a husband, you know, or a wife, if I just, once I just get married, then I'll be happy. I'll have everything, you know. And we just buy a house. If we just get a different car, if we just have kids, if we just have all these things. And then all of a sudden you're 40, you're 50 years old, and you look back on your life and you've appreciated nothing. Because all you've tried to do is get to the destination of the next thing that's going to make you happy when really God is with you now. And, 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 he, and, and so my encouragement to you this morning is uh, maybe for you, your place is where you already are, but it's an awareness of that. Uh, my all-time favorite song, and you guys are going to get sick of me referencing him, but um, there's a song, it's actually called Pig, uh, which means nothing, but uh, there's a song by a writer named Dave Matthews, and it's called Pig, but the song is called Don't Burn the Day Away. And the whole thing is like every day, every day matters. Everything we go through is for a reason. You don't have yesterday for the sake of yesterday. You don't have tomorrow for the sake of tomorrow. You have all of those things because the whole 24 hours matters to God. Not only is it physical, but it's spiritual and it's eternal. Everything that we're a part of matters and is your place. Somebody say amen. So Philippians 4.11 says this. It says, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever in circumstances, I know that it is to be, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then the scripture we all quote real easy, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And isn't it interesting when we're trying to go get our mountain, that one's easy to quote. Like, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to do all things. Okay. But that goes with the same text that says, in all things, I'll be content. In all things, I'm going to appreciate where God has me now because it's a season that I can bear fruit from. Somebody say amen. And I'm not the guy who says, God puts you in the valley to beat you and teach you. But God uses the storms to bring the sun. Like, you know, it's like there's so much there that I can't get into now. Uh, but as easy it is for us to get up and say, we can do all things through Christ and we are victorious. And that can even become a destination disease. Someday God is going to bring me to 
But right now, how content are you? Right now, how thankful and grateful are you for what God has done in your life? Psalm 119, one, uh, says, 171 says this. says, my lips overflow with praise, for you teach me your decree. And this is the first time I ever uh, thought of this scripture in this context. It says, my lips overflow with praise, for you teach me your decree. In the teaching moment. So not the arrival. It didn't say you taught me. It didn't say you've brought me or if I'm in my, it says in the moment of getting to where you're teaching me and leading me and all those things, I still praise you. I'm still thankful and grateful for my place where I am right now. And uh, trust me, we're all in places that God is leading us out of. And, and then I'm saying, oh, stay in the bad, stay where you are. No, God is definitely leading us. But even in that, praise, speak what, what, what God's goodness is, because I believe what's on your tongue is in your future. The words you speak frame your world, just like in Genesis, when God spoke and created everything into existence. We're like God. The scripture says we're, we're imitators. We're made like God. We frame our world. We, we, what we speak is in our future. And so even in the teaching moment, like Psalm says, even while we're getting there, be thankful and be praising God. Somebody say amen. During the journey, I praise you. The problem is we live in a culture that just promotes and promotes and promotes that you don't have enough. Uh, I didn't bring any with me, but if you just looked at packaging of anything, it basically says, if you don't have this item, you will surely die. <laughs> you know, like if you don't have this, it's not possible for you to be happy and to exist. Uh, literally, like I looked at a DVD or, or watch how a movie comes out. So a DVD comes out, must own of the year, movie of the year, you must have this. Uh, and so, our society is always preaching, you're not happy enough. You're not happy enough. You have to get to the next thing. You have to get to the next thing. And check this out. Statistically, they say that we as Americans, we hear up to 6,000 messages or marketings a day. So he's like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. But if you're driving, just think about driving. So you're driving and the radio is marketing something to you. You're seeing billboards and bumper stickers and signs on buildings. Literally just on a drive to work, you could knock out a hundred or so. Just, just on like a, a drive to work. And all of those usually are saying, you have to get to this. You have to get to this. To be happy, you have to get to this and get to this. But, but God has created us with all that we need. We are, I love, um, I love Doran. He actually, uh, we met on Thursday because he has a, um, crazy story I can't even get into, but Doran actually is healed of cancer and uh, leukemia. He had it as a kid, an incredible story, but he wrote a song called Safe With Me. And um, all day when we were talking, he was saying uh, a big part of the lyrics, uh, or the base of the lyrics, uh, he says that I am to remain in God and God remains in me. Like we have this, this understanding of we have all that we need in God. And, um, and so it really struck me even putting this message together that that's it. If, if all we have, like Philippians was saying, is just God, our, our relationship with God, our trust with God, that's enough. Somebody say amen. So I thought about it like this. Um, we have to get into this moment where we understand that it's more than just the chores of the day or it's more than just getting to the next thing. What is every day really about? Our place and what we're doing, because there's a place for everyone, our place and where we are is a place um, that all matters. And so I started to think about David in scripture. There's this thought that I know of him. Uh, a couple years ago, I was really struggling with the idea that God said about David, David, that's my guy. Like David, 
I have a heart like he, like our heart is the same. And so God gives this nod to David and says, that's my guy. But what's crazy about that is like he killed all kinds of people and he was sexually impure and he, he doesn't have a great resume to be God's guy, you know? And so I was always like, boy, he pointed out David, what does that mean? And so I did a study on David and bought a couple books and looked into it a little more in depth. And so uh, I want to just show you a few things about David that I think matter about our place and how we live our every day. And so um, first thing we're going to look at, and, and it'll be the rest of my text for the day over the next few minutes, is literally just the David Goliath story. It says this in 1 Samuel 17.4. There's a ton in here, uh, but it says, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out to the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor. So all his armor had scales to it, like a snake. Uh, and then it said, uh, of scale armor, of browns weighing 5,000 shekels. So check this out about this story. This guy shows up from the wrong camp, so he's already the enemy. And he shows up to defy the armies of Israel, which he verbally makes known when he gets there. Uh, but he shows up essentially wearing the enemy's jersey. So check this out about him, which is amazing uh, when you look into the scripture of this. Um, his measurements strategically of everything that he wore measured out to be 666. So literally the number in which he measured his armor was defying the army of God. And then scales, we know that the snake came into the Garden of Eden as you know the serpent came as a snake. So he's wearing scales. He's measuring at 666 and all of his things. He literally shows up saying... <laughs> I'm on the other team. Like, I got the other guy's jersey on. And, uh, and we know the story um, says this, that, you know, David showed up. And just a little leadership lesson for you. Um, the scripture says, before you get to the story, that David arose early and brought them what they needed. And so essentially, David was on time. And um, those of you that like to run late a lot, uh, he would have missed his destiny just simply if he was late. Because when he got there, Goliath was there. So all of you that like to run late, I'm just telling you. Take a little, this is your part of the sermon. Um, scripture says that he arose early and made sure he was there on time. Uh, but check this out. So just what we were talking about happens. In verse 10, uh, the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. So he makes it clear what they're assuming. This guy is no good. He's up to no good. Verse 26, David asked those standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Yes. <laughs> I like where this is going, you know, like, okay, God, I'm starting to see your heart here with this guy. He shows up ready to run his mouth after this guy. Like, who's this disgrace? What should be done if I wipe out this idiot? You know, like, I love it. Uh, so he asks, you know, what goes on. And one writer, if in some of the books that I read, actually, they begin to describe his time there uh, in this moment. He was very, very irritated that nobody was doing anything. So he shows up, and this, you know, Goliath is running his mouth. He's wearing the other team's color, and everyone's just kind of missing the moment of what's going on here. And David shows up, and he says, what's to be done if I take care of this problem? Because David had an understanding of his place in the moment and what God is with him in. Uh, his times probably learned with, of course, the lion and the bear and, you know, doing what he did then, probably taught him a lot about the value of the moment and shepherding and being a good steward of what he's a part of. And so he says, what's to be done? And so I love this thought because David isn't a guy who says, I see the problem. I see the circumstances, but I'm going to just kind of hide here behind my TV remote. 
I'm going to check out like in a golf club. I'm going to ignore what I should be entering. And I'm going to just kind of do my own thing over here. I love that his heart was get me in that so that I can accomplish God's will in the situation. Somebody say amen. Isn't it easy in the society that we live in to bury ourselves, to play Flappy Birds and watch a DVR and like just, some of you got the Flappy Bird thing. <laughs> uh, it's easy to submerse ourselves and to be isolated, as you've heard me talk about, and burying the iPod and burying the DVR and, and burying all the things that keep us entertained and isolated instead of missing our place in the day. What does God have for me today? What can I accomplish today? I want to handle the thing that's coming against my God. Somebody say amen. So one thing we notice about David that I could say God was like, that's my guy, was that David understood the value of his moment and his place, where he was, he got it. David knew it was more than flesh and blood. It was a good versus evil going on. It wasn't just this guy came here. It was flesh and blood. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, kind of a long scripture that we all know, but it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord in the mighty, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So um, that's a super churchy scripture with a lot of big church words, but we can all relate to this. In our days that we all live in, we can all feel and sense and connect that there's still a good versus evil, right? I mean, it's not hard to read the news and say, people just don't flip and go crazy and do some of the crazy things that, they, that you see. Obviously, there is still something bigger than all of us that is a good versus evil. And so the scripture is saying, be conscious of that. It's saying, put on your armor, be strong in God and be aware that there's a good versus evil. We are still at the war that David was at. We are still having people come and try to defile what God's trying to do in our community. But the scripture says that the gates of hell will not prevail against what God wants to do, the church, right? And I love that the scripture actually says, and I didn't list it or I'd give it to you, but it says that the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. What's awesome about that is it's actually, the translation shows the church on the offense, it's not like the body of Christ is like, oh, here comes, here comes the gates of hell. Here comes the enemy. Here comes evil. No, it's saying like, they're like, we're going to go tear down the gates of hell. We're going to stop the work that's taking place in our earth. Somebody say amen. So very David, very David. I'm not going to sit back here and just watch this happen. I'm going to do something about it. Uh, the real issues in our life aren't flesh and blood. It's not you versus the guy at work. Your, your boss or someone you're not getting along with. The issue isn't the people, it's the spiritual. It's like, what's going on? What in me needs to change? What do I need to bring change to into the atmosphere? Your, your marriage or raising the kids or all of those things, it's not about the practical things of that. It's the spiritual. It's the good versus evil that we have to be conscious of. Amen? I love this. Um, when you think about, you know, the friendship that went weird or you know, the bump in the road in your marriage, or again, all of a sudden the friction that took place at work, or, or all of those things that we struggle with on a daily basis. It's easy for you to sit here and be like, I don't know what he's talking about, but you do. You know what I'm talking about. The things that, that we struggle with that irritate you, that you can't shake. It's easy for us to blame, well, they, they aren't doing the paperwork right, or my kids just don't hang up their clothes, or they never make the bed. 
It's not about those things. It's about the things that you don't see, the good versus evil, the spiritual thing that God's trying to accomplish in our hearts and in the situation. Amen? So that's why <coughs> the simple things. That's why, you, that's why your kids need to see you pray. That's why your kids need to see you worship. That's why coming to a building and gathering together, it's not important because we need you in seats to do. It's important because people need to see that there's such a thing as a life-giving hope. So when you come and gather and give of your resources and your time and your energy, it's more than giving of your time and your resources and your energy. It's good versus evil. And it helps tear down what the enemy's trying to do in our community. Somebody say amen. amen. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And it wouldn't be in scripture if it wasn't possible. So to give a command means that it's possible in your life. It's saying you can do it. You can break the things that you're struggling with. Don't be overcome with these things. Overcome them. God is behind you and cheering you on and believing with you. The scripture says up in heaven, we have a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. Somebody say amen. You're not in it alone. And what we love about Vertical and, and Facebook and all of the crazy beautiful technologies, beautiful and bad technologies that we have is you don't have to do it alone. This is a place for everyone where we can bring our struggles and our doubts and our frustrations and say, you know what? I get it. I'm with you. Okay? Someone say amen. <laughs> You're just looking at me like I'm crazy, but that's fine. <laughs> it's interesting about the way that we were created. I believe when we're not engaged in the good versus evil battle, we're not aware of it. So let's say we don't live our lives in a way, God, what do you want to do with me today? How do you want me to overcome evil with good? How, how do you want to use me today? When we don't live that way, it's interesting. We're built to be fighters and to press forward and overcome evil with good. That's how God wired us. It's interesting when we're not aware of it and we're not a part of that, how we make up those battles anyway. You look at the movies that we love, the hero movies sell out box offices. Why? Because it connects with something bigger than ourselves on the inside that says, yeah, heroic, I want to overcome some. Isn't it interesting that the top selling video games are games where you can connect all your games together and go online and do what? battle and overcome and, and be this victorious. Why? Because there's something on the inside of us that wants to overcome and do good. And okay, so there's that. And isn't it interesting that men can get so caught up in, and I'm one of them, the battle of a game. Okay. So that <laughs> literally the TV is on and you're thousands of miles away from the game and you're standing up off your couch, shouting and breaking things and rah, what? Because you were wired to be engaged and intense and like overcoming evil with good. I'm not leaving you women out. Isn't it interesting when they have a sale <laughs> that you put on your armor <laughs> and you go to the mall <laughs> and you have your weapons of coupons <laughs> and you do some work there, right? You battle. Uh, why? Because we were created in a way victorious. The scripture calls us overcomers. And I think if we can be more aware of not trying to overcome and get more stuff and keep up with the Joneses and go to the next level, if we can use that energy and passion and, and desire to overcome evil with good, how much more content would we be? How much more would we be able to say like that writer, if I have it or I don't have it, I'm okay. Why? Because I have God and I can do all things through Christ. I think he understood the spiritual significance of every day. Amen? Um, so David is this guy who says, I get it. It's more than flesh and blood. I have to engage. I have to connect. I have to be in this battle. And uh, he was always 
engaged. He always understood the value of the moment. Um, I'll close with this. I'll go ahead and have these guys come up and play. But hear this thought. And if you have a pen, uh, maybe write this down. I want you to catch this. Um, 1 Samuel 20, 41, and, and I'd actually kind of have you read a little bit about David this week if you have the time. There's great stuff online about him. But David is the guy who says, I can't check out. Like, I can't check out. I have to be engaged. I realize this good versus evil. It's bigger than me. I need to connect to something bigger than myself. And in 1 Samuel 20, David is a guy who lives in the moment. He knows his place. He gets it. And in 1 Samuel 20, 41, it says this which gets a little weird, but I'll clean it up for you. It says, after the boy had gone, David went up, speaking of his best friend, Jonathan. So Jonathan has to leave and David's with him and they're saying goodbye to each other is basically the story. And I'll read it here in a second. So Jonathan and David are best friends. They're just in it together. They're totally uh, connected at a deep level. Uh, They were in a place together doing battle, more than flesh and blood. And so there's this time where they have to go separate ways. In 1 Samuel 20, 41, it says, After the boy had gone, David got up from there, the south side of the stone, and bowed down uh, before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. The boy kissed each other and wept together. And then it says this, But David wept more. So I don't want to make it about, obviously, these two guys kissing, which is crazy, but uh, I don't want to make it about that. What I want to make it about is the scripture David, the writer went out of the way to say that David wept more than this other guy. Why? Because I believe about David, he valued every moment to the fullest degree. So every hour, every minute, everything that he did, he didn't just punch in and punch out. He valued the moment of God, what are you doing here? What is this? What is this value? What is this moment? And so my encouragement is we all have a place, but you're also all in a place. And are you making the most of that place? Your kids, your job, your family. Are we, are we squeezing everything out of that? Because we all have a place. And, uh, and so he says that David wept more. He was essentially more engaged. Uh, and so the writer went out of his way to make that clear. We all know in 2 Samuel chapter 6, you don't have to turn there. We all know the celebration of David, David where uh, you know, he's celebrating in the street and scripture says he was actually naked uh, and it offended all kinds of people because of his passion. So they were upset with how much he celebrated. Why? Because David did everything to the most possible. He held nothing back. He was all in, 100% committed. Why? Because he understood the power in good versus evil. And if we squeeze the most out of every spiritual moment we live in, God can do incredible things. And sometimes that rubs people the wrong way. Oh, I don't, you're too passionate. You're too excited about that. But I'm encouraging you, your place could be the place that you're in right now. And, and you just have to, you have to look at it different. David danced more. He was in the battle the most. He wept more. All of these things he did more. And so God, I believe, said about David, he's got a heart like mine the most. Why? Because he was amazing at making the most of every moment, his places, his place that he was in, he made the most of. He didn't waste time debating about it and arguing and destruction and we needed to, he just said, I trust God that he's called me to do this and I'm gonna give my most of it. Somebody say amen. Won't you stand?
scripture says this in closing in Proverbs 4.23. It says, above all else. So it's saying this is the most important thing you can do. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So if you're in here this morning and you're connecting and you're saying, yes, I need to move into a place where I value the moment and I, and, I, and I open my eyes to good versus evil a little more. My encouragement to you is that it's, you gotta take a heart check there. And uh, so we're not gonna single anybody out or have anybody come forward or do anything like that. I just wanna take a moment like we were just talking about. Right now, I believe that God is speaking to some of you that, hey, be aware of what you're in. We're gonna all pray together here in a moment. And I want you, if there's something in your heart that's holding you back from being all that you can be with God or being all that you can be in life, let's leave it here today. Guard your heart, get, get that out of your heart. And I, for some of you, that's really, really hard. And it, and it, and it won't be just today. You'll be able to just drop it and you know, all things are forgotten and you know, okay. But I'm saying, trust God that this is the beginning of a new life, of a guarded heart. And so we're gonna pray. And that's the first thing I wanna do is let's guard our heart. Let's get our heart right. And, uh, and, and, then, we'll, and then we'll pray. So uh, go ahead and all bow your heads and close your eyes. Whatever it means for you, frustration, anxiety, maybe it's a pain or a loss or uh, you don't feel good enough. Leave it here today. The scripture says that you can overcome evil with good. You're, you're good enough. You have it. God moved everything and gave everything for you. Nobody has your thumbprint. You're a one of a kind. So when Jesus died on the cross for you, it's because he believes in you right how you are. There's a place for everyone. God made a way for you. So all of it, you don't feel good enough. You, 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 you got all of the things that, that burden you down. I, wanna, I want God to set you free this morning because I'm leaving here. I'm leaving things here this morning. We all do. That's what this is about. It's a place for everyone to come and be real and leave changed and better because we're a life-giving church. That's what God does. So as I pray, I'm gonna pray for all kinds of things, but, but throw yours in there because God is here and he's for you. And he can do things way more than we could ever calculate. It's good versus evil. There's a spiritual thing going on. And the good thing is you can get in now on what God wants to do who created everything. And so I'm just gonna pray out a bunch of things. And if I don't mention something you're struggling with or believing for, you do it with God. He sees your heart. So God, we love you so much. And we know that you're for us and you love us and you've done everything possible to be with us. And the word says that if you're for us, who can be against us? Or what could be against us? Nothing, because you're God and you're with us. So Lord, every struggle, every pain, every doubt, every hurt, every failure, every rejection, every false word spoken, all the uncertainty, all the disagreements, all the history, all of the things that are blocking up our heart from being able to live here in this moment with you. God, we lay them down today because we know you're a God who can restore and redeem 
and renew all things. Your love never fails. So today we just take authority as Christians. We speak life and we speak hope and we speak joy into every person in every situation this morning. And we know that as we, as we bow our hearts to you, you make all things new. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody real good, say amen. amen. Also, if you're here and uh, maybe you've never prayed a prayer of salvation, you've never committed your heart to Christ, uh, I wanna pray that prayer with you too. And it's the same way that I just did. No one's gonna come forward. No one's gonna do anything like that. But you say, man, I realize there's a good versus evil and I need to get in on the good. I need to come alongside Jesus and walk with him and let him be my, let him be my Lord. Let, I wanna follow Christ. It's a simple prayer like I just did. You'll stay in your seat. We're not gonna embarrass anybody. The only thing I'm gonna ask is that when I count to three, you just raise your hand and say, hey, that's me. I wanna pray the prayer of salvation. You may have heard it called the sinner's prayer. Um, we're all gonna actually pray it out together like we just did. But if that's you, uh, I want to acknowledge you so that I can, and again, I'm not gonna call anybody out. I just wanna see it so that I can agree with you. If you're here, go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes, nobody looking around. If you're here and you say, that's me, I know that I need to make some changes and I wanna be a Christ follower. I wanna start that path of, of walking with God. That's your place. So if that's you in here with, with you know, nobody looking, uh, I wanna agree with you. If that's you on three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Anybody in here? See that hand? Anybody else? Okay, gotcha. Anybody else? Oh, gotcha. Thank you, sir. Awesome. So good. Man, you are in a group of people going for it. So don't let this moment pass. I see that hand too. Awesome. Oh, so good. It's the best decision you can make, I believe. God coming into your moment, your place, and walking with you, forgiving you of your sins, making all things new. It's so good. Anybody else before I pray, just make that recognition. Awesome. Here's what we're gonna do. Everybody repeat after me and, um, and then we'll, we'll pray this out. So let's all say this. Say, God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We know that you love us and you're with us and you forgive us. So today, forgive us of our sins. We choose to follow you. Be our Lord and Savior.